Welcome to the Empowered Curiosity Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Kat Lee. I'm here to explore the ideas, stories, and experiences that dig deep into what it means to be an empowered and curious human. Together, we'll connect over emotional alchemy, conscious relationships, and embodiment medicine. On this podcast, I'll be sharing tools, techniques, and wisdom about coming back home to the truest version of yourself. Welcome to episode two of the Empowered Curiosity Podcast. Today, I am so excited to share a beautiful friend and colleague with you. Her name is Jasmine Rose, and she is the founder of Humble Wild Wellness. And by trade, she's a holistic birth doula, a sacred and a sacred cycle and womb connector. And she's based out of Vancouver, Canada. But she is so much more than that title suggests. She is passionate about connecting people to the essence of their womb and exploring their pleasure from a place of personal reclamation. So Jasmine holds a special place in my heart because there were so many breadcrumbs along the way that was pointing me towards creating a podcast. And Jasmine was one of the last little breadcrumbs that shifted my energy from dream space and potential energy into actually creating momentum. So as somebody who specialized in fertility medicine for several years, it's still so easy for me to get caught up in the idea that fertility is only associated with biology. And even though I do try to bring soul and spirit into my conversations with clients, it's still centered around the idea of a biological baby. But back in March, I took an hour-long workshop that Jasmine was hosting virtually called The Portal Pathways, and she talks about the energetic line from the womb to the heart and to the throat, and that course lit up my internal pathway between the heart, the womb, and the throat. And that was honestly the last little push that I needed to transition from potential energy to kinetic energy. And for me personally, it was a bit of a light bulb moment because I realized that fertility is not just about connecting into a biological child. It's the spark that is fundamental to all creative endeavors, whether that's an actual biological baby, an art project, or a podcast project like it was for me. So I know that the Portal Pathways course is available on demand on Jasmine's website at humblewildwellness.com. And if you take the course and you feel like you want to dive in a bit deeper, she does lead one-on-one clients on sacred womb um, experiences. And it's a bit of a ceremony to cultivate your own individual creative flow. So before we sink into this conversation with Jasmine, I do want to share a goal of mine that I have for the inaugural month of the Empowered Curiosity podcast. My goal is to get 10 members to support this community on Patreon and support tiers start at $3 a month. And I want to be really clear that this podcast is free. It will always be free. But supporting the podcast on Patreon means that I get to make bringing you valuable content via this platform my full-time job. And so that's a bit of a win-win for both of us. 
I have so many goodies that are going to be exclusive to the Patreon community as well. And so things like guided meditations and PDF journaling pages. <clears throat> so you'll get more out of each of the episodes. I'll have a link up on the show notes. So you can go to www.empoweredcuriosity.com to find out how you can support the Empowered Curiosity community. Okay, so that's all I have for this week. I'm so happy that you are here, and I hope that this conversation sparks your curiosity. I ran into Jasmine in a full moon woman's circle, and um, it was a lovely gathering, but I ended up not going back to the group because I think I got everything that I needed just from like getting Jasmine's phone number at the end of it. And we've been talking about fertility and this deep remembrance of um, of of our fertility journeys for I don't know what, what was that like two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And it, I love having conversations with you, Jasmine, because. I feel like I have all this like Chinese medicine background and knowledge that sort of gets shoved into my brain. And then um, we have this conversation and I realize that really it's like, it overlays so beautifully with what you share. Um, and really we're speaking, you know, almost like two different languages, but about the same subject matter. And so it, it reminds me that this is a universal concept it's not just limited to Chinese medicine um, it's not just limited to Western fertility treatments it really is this deep deep remembrance of who we are and uh, reclaiming of our bodies and our womb space so yeah that's sort of my little love note to Jasmine <laughs> am I missing anything am I is there anything else you want to share about yourself Yeah, I mean, for me, the privilege to have these conversations with another person and and now with a larger community um, around really the remembrance. Before we hopped on today, we were talking about the difference between the language of learning and the language of remembrance and how that really lands so sweetly um, when we remember that, you know, we are these very fertile beings that have many different ancestral lines and many different rooted practices. And I love that you're so anchored into traditional Chinese medicine and I going into my ancestral journey has really brought me deeper into a place of what is my fertility for me. And so I love that it keeps crossing paths in different language mm-hmm. um, because it just keeps bringing, bringing in that remembrance. Yeah. And bringing in so many different layers of like looking at the same thing, but from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start out with a question and I know that you do a lot of group work um, around womb space and about fertility. And so I wanted to see if you wanted to share a question that you wanted to throw at our, at our uh, audience here. And mm-hmm. um, like, how would you start this conversation with somebody? Mm-hmm. I would always ask 
the, or offer the invitation rather to just place a hand somewhere on the body or on the ground or on their being that they feel really rooted and connected to and simply asking, where did you learn the stories of your body and your womb and your fertility and your cycle? Um, if you are someone that cycles and just going back to the many narratives that we've received around our bodies and really asking where they came from and asking what we are doing to remain curious, to learn mm. what's for us. So where did you learn the stories around your body, around your fertility, around your cycle? And what are you doing in your life to remain curious? Mm -hmm. Such a potent question for me. Like what that brings up is, um, I guess I'll just start by answering the question, is um, I remember being put on, and I'm sure this is a story for so many women, um, being put on birth control so early on before um, I was actually sexually active because I had these horrible migraines um, with every cycle. And so um, just feeling like there was something wrong with my body and, you know, my period was something to be avoided. And, you know, eventually I had a doctor tell me like, oh, like you can just take birth control back to back. So you don't have a cycle and maybe just cycle once a year, like when you, when you want to plan it. Um, and a huge, huge part of my work um, around fertility has been, reminding folks that signs and symptoms are not to be dismissed or shut down. You know, it's really a deep communication from the body um, and an asking of like, how can I be more balanced? Um, and so I'm sure you've had many women share similar stories yeah, and it's such a fascinating conversation. And this is why I always like to bring it so much further back than our current situation and really ask, mm. tell, me, tell me your her story, right? The history <laughs> of her. Because there's so much, and this is why I love talking about energetic fertility as well. Like there's so much outside of the biological body as well that really imprinted the stories that our cycle needs to be a nuisance or a burden, or it needs to be painful. And what we know about even placebo effects, and there's so much research on that is when we're fed a narrative and we're fed a truth over and over and over again, our, our physiological bodies can respond. Mm -hmm. often create more of these symptoms or um, more of these pain receptors to actually fire off, which is always such a fascinating thing to me. And, and of course, I'm, I'm going to just say right away that a lot of the, the things that I believe in and that I love to talk about might not necessarily be your truth. And I love that. That makes me so excited that there's sovereignty in that because we all have our own unique womb and our unique stories and our unique hearts. And, and I do, I love when, you know, somebody's like, that's not true for me. So if you hear something that I say that doesn't feel true for you, I love that because that is the curiosity. Mm. So, Ooh, okay. That's not true for you. So what is your truth? Mm -hmm. um, that's such a beautiful um, permission, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word exactly, but it's one of the reasons why, 
I wanted to start this podcast is is really because I think we are fed, you know, oh, if you have painful periods, then these are the five things you do to, you know, get rid of that pain. And And really when it comes down to it, we all have our individual stories and we all have sovereignty in in our stories and autonomy in in what we choose to do with our bodies and so um to have somebody who is so well versed in in the body give permission to the patient or the client i think is so empowering mm-hmm. um to the woman who's hearing that And I learned so much of that in birth. So a little background about me as well. So I'm also a birth doula. Um, And so when I, you know, I'm still actively a birth doula, but when I started to, my journey really took me into the space of fertility. For those of you that don't know me, um, I bled for almost 365 days straight. And it was just before my husband and I had decided that we wanted to try to have a baby. And it was like quite literally, I'd had a regular quote unquote cycle, you know, came very regularly, not very painful. I'd never really had any menstrual issues per se in my life. And it happened like two weeks before my husband and I were really deciding, okay, we're going to start consciously conceiving. And I bled, I started bleeding and, and it wasn't stopping. And I saw care practitioners and I wasn't really getting any sort of medical reason. I was kind of an anomaly and told, oh, this is a one-off, you know, go on birth control much too. You know, you get a migraine, you're bleeding too much, your mood swings, you have acne. There's like a million different reasons why birth control seems to be this like magic little pill. Um, and it was the first time that I feel like I felt that body sovereignty of just not feeling like it was even possible for me to follow that path. Mm. Like full body no. I remember her writing the the prescription and like quite literally leaving and crumpling it up. Like it was, I couldn't even imagine that this was going to be the option. And I have nothing, no, you know, if you, if you're taking birth control and that is a decision that you've made based on all of the information and having an informed decision, that is so beautiful. But there, there wasn't a reason. I was like, well, why birth control? Like, tell me, have, have you seen this before? And I want to know a little bit more about that. And what is this going to help me with? What are the symptoms down the line that I might have? And the conversation was really cut off. And for me, informed consent and informed decision-making is something that I walk people through in the birth mm-hmm. process. And it became so clear to me that so many of the conversations that we're having around our autonomy, our anatomy, our biological reproductive health, um, don't necessarily have a lot of pathways for these very unique type wombs. You know, we're all in these unique. Absolutely, yeah. Yes, and it sent me down, you know, my own path of really starting to discover my own body um, from an energetic and biological place. And how can I really be a participant in my healing and my thriving? Mm -hmm. So when you sink down into your body and asked your body, you know, um, Mm -hmm. what did it have to share? And, and how did you do it from like a loving perspective rather than from like a, I'm going to fix this like sort of way. If I can be honest, I 
don't know in Mm -hmm. that moment because it was so foreign to me. Like I looked back at this moment so many times and just a little update, I was able to, to stop the bleeding and have a really beautiful (laughs) cycle that I'm tending to every month. Um, I, I don't know. And I've looked back on this moment so many times. I'm like, what was it? Like, what was that feeling? And it was just, I, I honestly believe, and I've said this so many times to you, Kat, that the bleeding was an initiation into this whole new phase of my life and a whole new way of connecting. So in that moment, I feel like I just went immediately into the underground. Ooh. Like it was like, uh-uh, like you've been living here with these truths and, and this narrative and we're mm-hmm. going to like dip you right down into a discovery. Um, and truthfully, my curiosity just took over. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And now I have many different practices around yeah. how I would tap into my body. Yeah. Um, one of them, you know, just looks like really opening my pelvis. Like Mm -hmm. I I always like to say my, I don't necessarily, we talk a lot about our, you know, your heart knows the way, follow your heart or Mm -hmm. that instinct. Um, And now I actually see that it's because so many of us live up here, like from the waist up. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for us to actually come into our hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, but it can be a little bit more sticky or a little bit more difficult for us to drop down into our wombs. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of started exploring with, okay, well, what does it feel like when my heart says yes or no? Okay. Can I drop that feeling down? Okay. It's kind of in my gut. I've got that gut instinct where your gut just kind of clenches up. How can I drop that down even further? Mm. Um, and it just takes practice and, and a really deep connection to the relationship. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful because, like, again, like, you're saying the things that um, I think that we learn in Chinese medicine school. Mm-hmm. And then we don't actually get to have a ton of experiential um, or ability to experience it except through needlework you know, um, because our, our modality is acupuncture. And that space that you're speaking of is, is the Ren channel. Mm-hmm. In, in Chinese medicine, we have a channel called the Ren channel. And um, I was sitting in meditation the other day as I was, ta- I was sort of like thinking about how I was going to approach this conversation. And I just got drawn to one of my textbooks and um, the Ren channel is a channel that runs um, from the perineum up the midline of the body, through the womb, through the guts, through the diaphragm, heart space, throat, um, and then I, out through the eyes and then up through the vertex of the head. So it like hits all those chakras. So like a totally different system, but like same sort of like overlay, right? It's what you speak of in your portal pathways classes. Mm-hmm. that same line right um <clears throat> and the chinese character for ren so the way that chinese characters work is um it can sound like the same word um but there might be a, a slight different inflection but the character will change the entire meaning of the word and so the character that's associated with the ren channel translates to be able to accept to take responsibility for, 
um, to be confided in. Mm. And so already in this, um, in the language of how we describe this pathway is this um, very yin, this very receptive space, right? Mm. And um, if you change the character just a little bit, um, and but the but the way you say it stays the same. Ren means pregnant, mm. and then you change the character just a little bit more, and Ren means human. Mm. And so there's just this beautiful way of um, acknowledging that this connectivity that we have to all the spaces that that go along this like midline pathway is what connects us to our ability to receive it connects us to our, our ability to become pregnant and it doesn't always have to be about like a biological pregnancy you and i have talked about that so much that pregnancies are not just about making a baby um and it also connects us to what it means to be human um and so i had that really beautiful download like as i was sitting in meditation and thinking about what I wanted to share um, in our conversation. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, I've, you're such a, a beautiful conduit of this medicine mm -hmm. because, you know, while I was on my bleeding journey, I also had the opportunity to be a client and a patient of cats as well and was, was able to access um, the receiving of her medicine, which I think even drew us much more closer in heart as well. Absolutely. You know, I was able to sit with Kat after I had been crying on my bathroom floor for like three hours before showing up to an acupuncture session because I was still bleeding or I got my period. You know, I had had like a, a momentary lapse of not bleeding. I finally got my period. I was bleeding and I was crying because I was you know, not pregnant. And there was so many emotions. And I feel like something that has always stuck with me is this red line that you speak to and the heart to womb connection, because it's so true. And it's, it's something that we'll never be able to know. Mm -hmm. Like you'll never have a scientific research project that gives you like a Cochrane review on how you can access your womb through your heart. Mm -hmm. And I love that as a very curious um, being who is always searching for, you know, a remembrance in a new way. And so I'm curious because I know that you work with so many, so many different types of people. How do you, how do you find a way to access the people that don't have that layer of curiosity and really give them the permission to access that line. Cause that's something that I struggle with as well. Like the people that are very like dead set in the masculine mind, the beautiful mm -hmm. masculine mind, how do you drop them down? Mm -hmm. I'm, here, I'm curious to hear your, your way of doing that. Yeah. It's, it's hard because it's such, it's individualized mm -hmm. and I love that you, you speak about um, sinking into your womb space as your intuition um, because I, I too, I feel like my access point is through my heart and that's sort of where my journey and curiosity of like, like going within started. But um, I know that I, 
when I hit that like juicy space where like, I don't even know what words are coming out of my mouth. It's just some sort of like almost a channeling. <laughs> um, and like, I really feel that deep in my womb space as well. And so for me, it's about if I can stay curious about your story, um, then I hope that it'll inspire curiosity in your own story. Mm-hmm. You know, and I find that a lot of people, um, when they share their stories, you know, they might be sharing the, story, the same story that they've been playing in their head, but the moment it gets shared out loud and voiced and spoken to, whether it's in the container of like a one-on-one conversation or through group work, they're able to see it differently because they're seeing it through someone else's eyes. Mm-hmm. And so if I can't get someone to access it through, um, and I think you talk about this a bit, um, like access points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, can I get them to actually voice it and, and work through their, their throat chakra, you know? And that can be their first step. Can I get them to sink into their bodies? You know, and acupuncture is really lovely at doing that. Is it, is it gives your body some sort of stimulus so that it roots and anchors it and reminds you that you're home? Um, and once you can sort of invite people inward and continuing to invite them inward and continuing to stay curious about, oh, what's underneath this layer? Um, I find that that's really helpful. Mm. Um, you, you do it so beautifully. And I ask because, again, I, I love having this conversation with you because we're always looking at the different ways that each other are doing it. And then okay, every time I leave you, I'm so inspired because that is something that I have struggled with truthfully um, is, you know, even in birth, when I'm talking to families and they're, they're hiring me as their doula and I'm, you know, giving them a lot of questions of curiosity and I'm really wanting to see if this is going to be a beautiful relationship with one another. I, I'm always, I, I'm always trying to, remove the very logical part of birth and the very like manufactured and the very like systems and ask, you know, what is the primary value of this experience for you? Mm -hmm. Not, not the end result, but how do you want to feel through the whole process, regardless of if your plans change, regardless of this, something shifts within your, your birth plan, Mm -hmm. how do you want to feel? Mm -hmm. And so when I bring that into working in fertility and in working with the cycle, it's the same. It's yeah. like, how do you want to feel? Yeah. And then you take that feeling and it's like, well, what makes you feel that way now? Mm-hmm. And then just starting to kind of crawl into that space. Um, but yeah, it can be super challenging. We don't have a lot of conversations like this and there mm-hmm. aren't of systems in our lens, you know, the, the very systems that many of us trust and have provided a lot of safety in the past. It's like, how do we um, merge our way with this very medical and masculine protocol-based world, mm-hmm. especially in fertility, yeah. um, and feel like we're participating and infuse it with a lot of heart. And I think that's what you and I talk about so much is like, yeah. how do we merge um the two and yeah and i think it is important because you know the masculine world has given us you know ivf and without ivf there wouldn't be millions and millions of babies that exist in the world right now um 
and it's given us the ability to actually get information like, you know, what are your hormones doing, you know, and I think all of that is incredibly valuable, but it can't outweigh the connection that you have to your body and to your womb space mm-hmm. and um, to like, I think that a lot of, um, a lot of people just assume like why people want to have babies. Um, and that's one of the first questions that I ask a patient when it feels safe to ask the question is, you know, why do you want, what does this baby mean to you exactly? You know? And, um, I find that that becomes a really good entry point into having a conversation about not just like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, I'm supposed to check off, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I always believed that I was going to have a baby and I was always going to be a mother. Like it really taps into um, opening up about the story of like who you were when you were a child, you know, Um, what did you need as a child that you are hoping to fulfill through this baby? Um, uh, what sorts of, um, like, how do you want to receive love? Like, there's so many things that can get opened up just by asking the question of, like, what does this baby mean to you? Mm-hmm. I remember you asking me that. And mm-hmm. I remember not knowing. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that was a really um, interesting turning point for me in my own fertility journey, um, really starting to dissect the archetype of the mother and what I was hoping to fulfill stepping into that type of mothering. Mm -hmm. I remember that moment and I remember leaving and, and I, I love questions like that, that I can't answer because I do find that, um, it takes you down a whole other pathway. And nobody had ever asked me that before. Mm-hmm. I was living a very, okay, I've been married for a year. Now it's just the next step, right? Yeah. And although we were much more conscious, that's a very like small snippet of why we wanted to be parents. I think I had attached my personal um, idea of having a baby and I had clumped it into my idea with my partner. If that makes sense. So the conversations that we were having was around becoming parents, but I hadn't necessarily taken myself out of that and asked why I want to be a mother and asked my partner, why do you want to be a father? And, you know, it opens up a lot. Like you were saying, like the love I didn't receive as a child or what I'm hoping to receive from a child or my relationship with my own mother, or even a lot of the circumstances that I experienced when I was young, wanting to like do it better. Mm. Right. And all of a sudden I, I had all these feelings of like, well, I need to unpack this and this timing in which I'm not getting pregnant and I'm experiencing this bleeding, all these things, is such a gift. And if that landed with you in any certain way, let me just unpack that a little bit for you. Because even when I hear myself say it, I get like a little bit jittery in my body. Mm. This is not to say that I didn't spend countless nights on the bathroom floor crying because I got my period and I wasn't pregnant again, or that I wanted to totally give up. It's saying that 
in that moment when I was having my fertility struggles and I was going through, you know, what was really quite a rebirth of myself, um, bleeding for an entire year and, and having a lot of emotional uh, trauma come up and, and there was a lot there. I was feeling like the participation that was calling me in on this journey was for me to allow this time and space to be a space of self-discovery while I was going through the motions of seeing my practitioners and caring for my body in that way, instead of really falling into this space of deep despair and not feeling like I had any control over the situation. Mm -hmm. And I always like to offer that. I'm like, even just for a day, for one day, could you sink into the space and time that you're in and use this one day as a self-discovery and thank the gift of time for allowing you to do that today? Yeah. And, you know, some days I was like, nope, this still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and other days it was, it was true. It was, I could have a totally undistracted day to really excavate deep into my heart and into my soul and... I don't feel like we talk about that enough either of really allowing ourselves to surrender to, um, another, you know, another day of discovery. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's that surrender into the inward journey. And, um, I think as important as it is to make sure we are, you know, dotting our I's and crossing our T's with sort of the, um, the Western framework, I think it's just as important to have somebody in your life if you are on this journey who is willing to get brave and ask you these questions um, and ask you to surrender and ask you, can you sink into receiving, even if it's just like a glimmer, like a glimmer is okay, you know. And what I find that that really does for folks is um, so we talked a little bit about the REN channel and there are actually like acupuncture points that we can needle along the REN channel. Um, but um, there is an acupuncture channel that has no points that I, as an acupuncturist, I don't have access to this channel. And um, that's the Bao Mai. And Bao means um, like wrapping, like sort of like a little dumpling is it comes wrapped in like a little wrapper. And, um, and the only connection along the Balmai is between the heart and the womb space. And this is why I resonate so deeply with your work, Jasmine, is because this is what you're describing when you talk about the portal pathways, mm -hmm. is you're talking about opening up the space between the heart and the womb and really lighting up that Balmai. And um, I love that as a practitioner, I don't have access to the sacred space through the application of needles. How I have access to it is by asking you to look within and by asking you to like, just by mirroring some of these more difficult questions and holding space and, um, and being curious about your story. That's how I'm able to access the Balmai is, is um, through curiosity and through empowering you as a, as a client, as a patient. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, I think it's, it's so lovely when I get to chat with other folks who do this kind of work, because really what you're doing is just 
it's it comes down to accessing the Baumai, and that's what you're doing in your group work. That's what you're doing um, when you're sharing your story on Instagram. Um, and inviting folks into this community of, of people who can actually steward their wombs. Um, mm. And I think it's not, not only important for you in the journey as a mother, um, but it's just as important for the next generation, mm. you know, mm-hmm. because when you ask yourself these questions around, you know, what wounding did I receive as a child that I'm wanting to do differently or better, um, that gets carried along the narrative into the child, you know, like from conception to birth. Yes. And it's bringing me to, and I'm sure your beautiful community has heard this as well, is the um, ancestral wisdom of all of the eggs that you will ever have, you are already born with, and you actually develop in utero. And so this notion allows us to know that you were an egg within your mother's utero while your mother was in your grandmother, and so on and so on. And it really speaks a lot to what you're saying, because even before conception, we have these eggs within us that are absorbing, you know, our truths and our narratives and our desires and and all of these. And that's not to alarm you in any way, if you're feeling like you're wanting to to change those, those stories or shift those narratives. It's actually to invite you into such a space of deep reverence for the body that you have right now. To really allow you to sink into the mother that you already are. Mm. And I love talking about this, and this is such a good bridge way for us to introduce a little bit more of the energetic fertility principles because I do believe that there we have this beautiful opportunity to have conversations right now around the mother that we already are as women, as people, right? Even non-gendered, let's really like take gender out of it and just the essence of the feminine that's within all of us. And the this archetype that we've created about the mother only being biological is quite um, limited to Mm -hmm. the expansion of what it means to carry the mother within us all. And this is something that I love because when I started realizing that I was already a mother, I could sink a little bit deeper into the desire to be a mother. And although I'm not a biological mother right now, I can stand here with you, sit here with you and really express, I am a mother. I'm a mother to my community. I'm a mother to myself. I'm a mother to my plants. I'm a mother to everything that I invite into my environment and tend to and love is me and my mother essence. And it holds such immense value. Mm-hmm. And this goes so deeply into talking about the cycle. And one of my favorite things to talk about is really when we can come back to really understanding and taking deep reverence in for our cycle and our cyclical nature, we can actually use the intention of our cycle, the four different phases, um, to really impregnate ourselves with our dreams and our desires and birthing them into reality. Mm-hmm. So we talk about the four different phases of the cycle. Um, So the bleed phase, the follicular phase, the ovulatory phase, and the luteal phase. And so the two phases that I 
feel like most people are familiar with is ovulatory and bleed. (laughs) And the ovulatory phase, when we think about it in its biological essence, we're actually receiving, so we're receiving semen to implant an egg and become pregnant with a biological baby. But when we can switch that into the energetic fertility and really use that as an intentional time to call in and receive any energy to fertilize our dreams and our desires, And then using our beautiful bleed to birth them into reality. So using it as a time where we can really sit with ourselves and say, oh, wow, like I'm in this very inward time and space, a time we're feeling a little bit more cozy, not really wanting to go outside. And we're actually using it as a time to release through our, through our bleed and birthing into reality. Mm -hmm. So and, and I want to hear your, your take on this as well, because I know it's so beautiful. Well, I just love that because I find so much, and I, I think I hear this so much in wintertime of women who are like, I don't know why I'm so tired. There's something wrong with me, you know, um, like I keep wanting to like sleep in and it's like, yeah, because you're in winter right now. Like we are still connected to nature. We are still creatures. We are still animals. And, um, and so that's like the cycle of your year. But I love that as women, we also have this internal cycle to pay attention to and listen to. And, um, and instead of framing it as there's something wrong with me, you know, we get to frame it as, oh, it's just time for me to be a little bit more internal, you know, and allowing ourselves and giving ourselves the permission to do things, um, being led by our body instead of like trying to push through and just sort of like yong our way through, through life. Um, Yeah. And I feel like, you know, and again, taking this into your own truth space, we have created all of these names for and like symptoms and I'm doing quote unquote marks here um, for this very emotional and energetic journey that we are on within our cycles, right? Like the narrative that I know that I received when I was young is like before I had my period, I was crazy. I was emotional. I was too much. I was overreacting. I was hormonal. You know, if I had a big burst of emotions, even when it wasn't in that phase of my cycle, um, it was automatically blamed on my hormones. And so we start to have this apprehension for expressing ourselves because all of a sudden we're receiving the narrative that we must be a little bit more quiet or a lot more quiet or we're too much. And we blame it all on our menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to remember some of these narratives. And I know it was really important for me because all of a sudden I was like, man, even the conditioning that I was receiving or the narrative that I was intaking around my menstrual cycle that wasn't necessarily around the biological function, it was around my emotional self mm-hmm. was asking me to suppress. So when we talk about the seasons of the cycle and when I really started learning, cause I, I love 
reading. I love learning about the biological body, but I also love remembering and sinking into the energetics and, and the spiritual and, and all of the other aspects of the cycle. When I started learning the seasons and kind of cycle syncing is, is something that might be um, helpful for people that are just wanting to learn right now and go Google and see how that goes. Um, it's really powerful when you start sinking into the different phases of the cycle and the different seasons of the cycle. And you see, oh, like right before I go into my bleed, which is my inner winter, I'm in this autumn phase. And my body is really asking me to prepare for winter. So mm. it'd be a little bit more organized than normal and I'm wanting to nest and I'm wanting everything to be a little bit more clean, but I'm also preparing for this huge journey of what it means to bleed. And so many of us feel pressured to perform at the same level through every single phase of the cycle and it really goes against the pattern of what that season is asking us internally. So of course we're going to have bigger emotions. Of mm -hmm. course we're going to have, you know, things that irritate us a little bit more because our internal seasons and rhythms are asking us and we're like hitting it. Like we're meeting it, we're resisting it. And we're trying to be this very like one linear version of ourselves when there's so much going on under the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So... I just feel like it's so fascinating when we do look in this lens of curiosity and we start discovering these things about ourselves. And I had laughable moments where I was like, oh, of course. It's because I'm literally like hiking uphill when I could just be like strolling along the meadow. Mm -hmm. And it does give us a lot of permission and a lot of acknowledgement to how we can actually, again, participate um, and really come into harmony with mm -hmm. what's going on below the surface. Yeah. I know. I think you've, you've described the cycles before as, um, as seasons, and I don't think that it had actually like sort of sunk in until just now when you said right before you bleed, is your autumn? Is that what you said? Yeah, your inner autumn. Yeah. And when I think about what I see in my clinical practice and, um, you know, what autumn means in Chinese medicine is, is autumn is associated with the metal element, which is all about clarifying. It's about sorting, like, what's good for me and what's bad. Um, it's also the time of your cycle when actually your right brain and your left brain are communicating the best. And so um, sometimes I'll ask women, you know, is there something that needs to come out during this time? You know, sometimes the, the anger and the tears um, is actually an invitation to express something. And um, the rest of the, the, the cycle, you're able to sort of suppress that frustration. That, um, but then in autumn, it's like, no, there's no more room for suppression. Like, this is the time of your cycle in which you can't suppress anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just so interesting when you overlay cycles with seasons. And, like, I kind of want to, like, make, like, a chart or something. I'm sure you have something. I actually don't. I just am <laughs> a more creative techie, but I think it would be so beautiful for you to make a chart on that or us to collaborate on that. Too. <laughs> I would be so down. Yeah. 
And, you know, for anyone that's listening, even if you aren't in the space to truly connect to your cycle in this way, even if there is resistance or you're just feeling a little bit uninterested, um, what you can do in this moment is be a participant in the way that you receive someone else. And so if you're speaking to someone or you're used to going into the narrative space where you would be like, oh, she must be getting her period or any of these things that we've talked about, you have the permission right now to be a conduit of the way that we show up in society to actually receive others. Mm. And I talk about this a lot when I'm working in miscarriage and pregnancy loss um, is to never assume that you know someone's emotions. And, you know, we talk about this a lot and everything, but I always love using birth and pregnancy and all these things because that's the world that I live in. And, and it's the, the notion that if someone is expressing to you that they're having a miscarriage, never to assume sadness, never to assume grief, never to assume anger, never to assume happiness, never to assume any emotion. And this might sound confusing for those of you listening, so stay with me. There are moments in time where when somebody is coming with you with information and perhaps they're feeling relieved, perhaps they're feeling happy, perhaps the feelings that they're feeling are confusing and you meet them with what you feel like they should be feeling, all of a sudden we close up because we feel shame for not feeling the way that society would normally interpret us to feel in those situations. And so even if you aren't in the space right now where connecting to yourself in this way feels accessible to you, we can actually do so much by being participants in our society and how we receive other people in their experiences. And this extends to everything, deaths, jobs, you know, anything that we're dealing with in life. If we can really refine the art of space holding from a place of deep love and compassion and listening and curiosity for the sake of coming back to curiosity, I feel like there is this profound healing that we are going to start seeing mm -hmm. everything that we've talked about today and more. Yeah. And that also sort of speaks back to the mother archetype yeah. that we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, how can even um, if biological motherhood is not on the horizon for us, or if, if we're not in on the biological motherhood journey right now, you know, how can we show up as mothers to our community? And a lot of that is, is allowing for people to show up exactly as they are with whatever emotions they're experiencing around whatever event they, they happen to be on right now. Um, and do it from a place of, of mirroring and reflecting rather than from projecting. Yeah. And I feel like too, something that's coming in so strongly, um, perfectionism is a trait that doesn't allow us to access our full hearts, right? So if you're heading into a conversation and you're like, okay, I heard this podcast and I'm going to like show up and I'm going to be the best, but it's inhibiting you from actually showing up with your heart because you're so worried you're going to say the wrong thing. 
right? It's, that's why I call it like it is a practice. And so I also want to offer, if you're heading into a conversation, say you're having a big conversation after you listen to this today and you're like, oh man, I just heard Jasmine and Kat talk about holding space. And now I'm like worried I'm going to say the wrong thing or not show up in my full heart. Expressing how you're feeling without making it about them is also a really beautiful way to stay really present in your heart. Just saying, you know, I'm hearing everything that you're saying and it's actually making me feel quite emotional. And I just wanted to let you know, if you're seeing tears in my eyes, it's because you're really moving me with your words right now. And I just want to ask you what you need. Mm. Instead of being like, I'm not supposed to be emotional and I don't want to say the wrong thing. It's like just speaking to what is true in that moment can be the difference between someone feeling like they can't progress with you in that sort of emotional conversation Mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. And then being on the receiving end of that, like how I feel is like, I don't have to feel like I have to hold back and take care of your feelings now because you've acknowledged that you are having feelings and you're acknowledging where that's coming from. And you're not asking me to take care of them for you. And it's almost like speaking, and and it can feel a little bit robotic at first. I remember when I started really having these conversations and and feeling like a little bit uncomfortable, but the discomfort is where we actually start bridging, right? Mm -hmm. Like building these beautiful illuminated pathways, these bridges towards one another, instead of getting stuck in the, you know, just our normal, not our normal way. I shouldn't say that, but for so many of us, our way of just like wanting to be the best and show up to be the best can actually sometimes block us from that space. Yeah. And we see it. We see it all the time. And Mm -hmm. I want to like put my hand up and say, don't worry. I still have moments where I don't show up in that way. And that's, that's the human form, right? Yeah. Um, It's almost having the humility and, and being willing to say the wrong thing rather than holding back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other piece that sort of brings up for me is, is if you are going to be having mothering conversations with folks, um, coming at it from a place of not wanting to fix the other goes such a long way. You know, if you, like, again, with the, the projection piece, you know, if somebody comes to you with, with a, a, a share, you know, Um, I celebrate every single cycle that I have, which is very different from somebody who's trying to conceive and she's on the floor in the bathroom crying every time she has a cycle. And, you know, I think for a lot of people, the immediate thing that they want to do is to try to fix the feelings for the person. And, And really, for somebody who is wanting to become a biological mother, like, of course they're having these feelings, you know? Of course, whatever is coming up for them is valid, whether it is sadness or grief or, you know, and and then sometimes it comes mixed with like, oh, my cycle's really good this time. And so there's a bit of a celebration. So like, like leaving room for whatever they are feeling instead of like projecting your own, stuff onto them or trying to fix them in their discomfort um, goes a really, really long way. Mm-hmm. And you're, you do that so beautifully. And so I feel like anyone that knows you or, or has conversations with you immediately can feel that from you. And, and that's the beautiful thing about stepping into these really compassionate spaces with others is that it does ripple. 
Mm-hmm. When somebody receives feeling like totally heard and, and valued and like, they're just like, wow, like I feel so much better because I was able to express myself fully. Chances are the next time that they have a conversation, they're going to be like, I really want to show up like Kat showed up for me last week. <laughs> right. And it just, it ripples. And this mm. is such a beautiful, beautiful tool. Um, that I didn't even think that we were going to talk about today. No, great, but it's yeah. so true, especially with these these very sensitive topics. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share too. I for anyone that follows me on my page, I talk very openly about my cycle and and everything to do with my cycle. And you know, we are able to have full sovereignty around how much we share around our cycles. And for me, sharing feels so powerful because I didn't receive any sort of narratives around my cycle like I'm experiencing right now. And so I know for me, like me sharing that I bled every day for a year, you know, so many people do that, those kinds of things in secrecy. And so I really like having these conversations because I do feel like there is so much tabooness around our cycles and our bleeds and our fertilities and pregnancy and all of these things, our sexuality, our sensuality. And having these conversations on this platform feels like such a privilege Mm. today. Yeah. It's so important. It's so, so important. I am so glad that you are out there voicing your story and you're doing it um, from a place where you're inviting other people to look at their own cycles um, with curiosity instead of just um, adopting the narrative that we're supposed to have these painful cycles with clots. And, um, and, and so it's, it's so lovely to have you change the narrative just by sharing your story and modeling like your journey through your own body. So thank you for, for sharing you. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to share something as well um, that might be a really powerful tool for anyone that does want to sink a little bit deeper into mm. their pelvis, into their cycle. And something that I really offer, because I feel like one of the primary questions that I get is around soothing painful periods. So how can I love my bleed? How can I love my sacred menstruation if it's so painful that I can't get off the floor? And so there's always this this feeling for me where I never want to bypass that my cycle is so much different than everyone else's. Like we all have these beautiful, unique wombs, and I feel like that's such a gift. but something that we don't talk about enough is actually the deep connection between the pelvis, the womb, the cervix, and the throat. And whenever I am discussing painful periods of any kind with anyone, um, I always like to offer how can we actually bring more spaciousness into the womb? So especially this time we're having, I'm having so, I want to say I'm getting like 20 to 30 messages a week from people saying that this is the most painful period that they've ever had while we are in this time and space when we're currently recording, um, where we're still social distancing and self-isolating and whatnot. And 
you know, we're sitting a lot more and our pelvis is like quite tight. And I always like to offer, how can we bring more spaciousness into the pelvis? So I always like to ask first, what does that sound like for you? What does that feel like for you? If you were to intuitively go in, what would create more space within the womb bowl? And sometimes it's womb massage. Sometimes it's having a bath. But if you're listening to this and you're someone that has painful periods, I would love for you to think about what would be a way that I could bring more spaciousness into my womb. My favorite three things are relax your belly. We as women and humans tend to want to suck in, right? We want to be tight. We, we tuck everything in and we are continuously tightening and clenching within our pelvic muscles. And so offering to what it would feel like to just totally extend your belly with every exhale. So take 10 big breaths and with every exhale, just allowing your belly to become really soft. The second would be to go into something like a frog stretch and really actually bring some physical spaciousness. So bringing your um, knees really wide and your elbows on the ground, you can Google it if you don't know what a frog stretch looks like and actually bringing physical spaciousness into the pelvis and the hips and the womb. The third is actually something called horse lips. So you take a big inhale through your nose and you go, Okay, so for those of you that can't see me, I'm sure you can imagine what I'm doing with my lips. I'm doing horse lips. Yeah. Um, and that's actually a technique that we use in birth. So when somebody is in the really intense stages where they are going to be pushing and they have the perineum stretching and there's a lot of tissue stretching and we want to bring a lot of softness into those tissues, we'll actually do something called horse lips to actually open up the tissues and bring as much softness and relaxing into the cervix and the pelvic muscles as possible while biological baby is coming down. Mm. So if we think of the womb contracting in that painful period, it's the same, right? We're having these like big feelings, these contractions that are happening within the womb space. So how can we actually bring softness into the womb and into the cervix and into the entire, you know, vaginal walls and the vulva? We can do those horse lips and we can actually bring that softness down. So Lovely. if you are feeling that you are having painful periods right now, potentially one of those three would work for you. Um, but inviting you into how can I bring more spaciousness into my womb? Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I think that um, like it's, it's so important to share tools and techniques without being prescriptive mm -hmm. um, because really when we share tools and techniques like you just shared, it really invites um, the client, the patient, you know, the listener into a journey within. And so like they get to pick and choose. You have autonomy in what you bring into your toolbox. And so um, I, I'm definitely going to do the horse lips thing because I, I can already sense like energetically, like how that actually connects you um, to your throat space as well, you know. 
Yeah. And there's this beautiful fascia line that actually runs from like the womb and the perineum and the pelvic floor area. And it runs all the way up into our throat and jaw area. And so for so many of us, you know, if we think of like the ways in which we aren't um, expressing ourselves or if our throat chakra is feeling really blocked or we are clenching our jaw a lot, we're feeling like a lot of tension in our jaw area. um, It can actually be a mirror effect. Right. So for wanting to bring spaciousness into our pelvic floor and into our womb bowl, we can just bring a lot of spaciousness into the jaw and just really invite in. Okay, I'm bringing lots of spaciousness into my jaw. I'm bringing lots of space, lots of spaciousness into my throat. And I'm just going to set the intention that this is really going to relax some of my womb area. Mm-hmm. And see if you can start being a conduit of your own medicine and feeling what feels really good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much, Jasmine. I just want to end with a bit of gratitude. Um, For me, uh, I took your Portal Pathways class a few weeks ago, I want to say. And um, it's the first time I had actually really conceptualize energetic fertility in the way that you speak of it, which is it's not just biological, um, but it is um, related to the birthing of ideas and the birthing of projects. And it was one of the many little breadcrumbs along the way that helped me birth this podcast. I'm so, so grateful that you are my first guest on here. It just seems so fitting and like, I don't know, and metaphorical that you helped me by being sort of a podcast doula as well. Um, so I just wanted to drop in and say thank you so much for this beautiful conversation. And um, how can people find you, my dear? Please, please share. Yeah, so I can be found on Instagram on Humble Wild Wellness. And my website is humblewildwellness.com. I am actually in the middle of facilitating a lot of different offerings that are going to be coming up in the late spring and summer. So if you want to be in the know for those, you can sign up to my newsletter. And I have tons of visualizations and beautiful guides for free that I love sharing with this community. And as always, you can reach out and chat with me anytime. Thank you so much, Jasmine. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. This is always such a beautiful way to spend my time having these <laughs> beautiful, expansive conversations around who we are, who we can be, and the permission to just take up all of the space in this world. And you are such an incredible conduit of that message. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Alrighty. Thank you, everyone, for showing up. And I'll see you next time. you enjoyed this episode of the empowered curiosity podcast if you found the conversation to be valuable make sure you screenshot post and tag me on instagram so we can keep the conversation going and to get notified when the next episode drops make sure to subscribe on itunes so you never miss one of our chats